This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village on this gloomy Sunday morning. And, and gloomy it is, yes. <laughs> joining me, I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me as usual in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Walter? I'm good. Uh, just give our listeners a little idea where we're going with the show today. We're going to pick up with the... Uh, uh, the discussion we had last week about uh, injuries in the NHL. We'll be talking to Henry Boucher. You remember Henry Nez played for the uh, Minnesota Stars in uh, Detroit North Red Stars, Wings. Detroit Red Wings in the 70s, a uh, member of the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, uh, career, unfortunately, terminated by a vicious uh, act uh, in a game, I believe it was against the Boston Bruins, and I believe it was Dave Forbes. So we'll talk to Henry about that. Hoping to connect with uh, Kurt Walker. Uh, we've been in touch with him the last couple of days. He's also been involved in the uh, NHL concussion litigation. We're, we're uh, hoping we can get a hold of him. And later on in the hour, our golf guy, Sean Clement. We're going to catch up with Sean. Sean, I think he's up to 40 million internet there, close to it. Internet viewers, he's got a new show on the Golf Channel, so we want to, when he's uh, taken a fantastic new position at the Royal Academy of Golf and at the Royal uh, Golf Club in Quebec, and uh, certainly want to chat to Sean about that. Uh, while we get into the show, Naz, I know you're wearing your Alabama cap this morning, so you must be getting ready for the college football season, but there's something I got to get off my chest. Go ahead. Okay. And, uh, you know, last week I came in proudly wearing my Icelandic jersey. My beloved Azuri didn't make the World Cup this year, so I had to adopt a team. So I adopted Iceland. And uh, there's a gentleman who I respect as uh, one of Canada's leading soccer writers wrote a derogatory comment about my beloved Icelandic team. Uh, chose to uh, try, in the spirit of making sure that Iceland doesn't make it to the next round, implored the Croatian team to bury the Icelandic clowns in the next game. And I, uh, quite frankly, uh, you know, in the spirit, I, you know, there's, it, 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 take it a little bit humorously, but uh, when, you call, when you call somebody clowns, I find that a bit of a derogatory term. Um, you know, you can you can you can criticize them, you can do whatever, but when you call them clowns, it's disrespecting Iceland. Uh, it's disrespecting their accomplishments. Uh, if somebody doesn't think that Iceland hasn't accomplished something significant, uh, man, you better you better go check your facts. And John Molinaro, you better check your facts. Because uh, Iceland was ranked as high as 23rd in the world. They've beaten 
some of the soccer powers in the world, Netherlands, England, uh, you go down the list, they tied Argentina. You know what? You may not like the style of soccer they play, but their accomplishments are not to be belittled and they're not to be called a bunch of clowns. Uh, I'm sorry. There is more heart in an Icelandic heart, in an Icelandic jersey, than, uh, man, 99% of those overpaid millionaires that play in the World Cup. And, and to belittle a nation and its soccer accomplishments. I mean, I was in Iceland, and they what they've uh, contributed and how they've set up the development of their game in that little nation, 320,000 people. Really? Uh, and and they, they've got soccer pitches. It's a little corner in, in the little southwest uh, corner of Iceland around Reykjavik. And the amount of soccer pitches and the development that they've accomplished in that nation is to be applauded and not belittled. So, sorry, Naz, I had to get that off my chest. You know that I've adopted Iceland for this World Cup a little bit. Uh, obviously, didn't like uh, the result the other day, but... You know, 320,000 people in the finals of the uh, World Cup finals. It, it's an accomplishment that should be celebrated and not belittled. What an interesting World Cup, though, Wally, with all the upsets. Oh, uh, let Argentina's t- out. It's pretty well out. Germany was almost on deathbed <laughs> yesterday, and they ended up with a goal and a free kick within the last seconds. Uh, you know, it was. I don't know how that happened because they looked like they were dead. They, 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 the, a player got fouled and they had a red card. Yeah. And then it seemed like when they... The German player. Yeah, the German player. When Germany went down to 10, they played better. They played better because they had to. Um, Because they were facing... They weren't to be eliminated yesterday, but if they had... No, Ross would have eliminated them. uh, But they were tied at that. They were tied tied at that point. They wouldn't have been eliminated, but they would not have been in control of their destiny. That's true. Um, And... You know, and how uh, this was so reminiscent of the of the Euro Cup final in in two thousand. Sorry, Naz, I got to go off on this no, tangent. Okay. But uh, they came up with five or six minutes of injury time yesterday, and I was, and I'm mean, like, where, where was that? Where did minutes? that come from? Where did where did this phantom five minutes of injury time? I mean, normally it's just you know, normally it's just three minutes automatic, and and somehow you know Germany scores into the fifth minute of injury time yesterday and nobody made a big deal about it. I mean, you know, I mean, they scored a goal and, uh, but, uh, that game should have been over. Uh, Sweden seemed to have accepted their defeat. They were, their bigger, their bigger complaint was about the, the foul, the blatant foul, uh, on their, um, on their center, uh, who had the breakaway, and he and he got he got hacked and pushed over by the German yeah, player. And they didn't even stop. And they the video re- they video reviewed that, and they didn't call a penalty. And I'm, I was just shaking my head. I haven't seen a more obvious foul foul in soccer probably in the last little while. Watch. How that's not a penalty, I don't know. But give credit to the Germans. You know, somebody said there's three certainties in life. Death, taxes, and Germany will find a way. And uh, somehow they found a way on the last play of the game. Give be, them all the credit. It would be something that if they come back and win it after all that. They yeah. might, you know. As, uh, you know, I've, I've, uh, my, my partner at work uh, points out to me the, uh, you know, I, sometimes I, I criticize the quality of the play in the World Cup. And, you know, you get... You get. I, I don't want to call them. I don't want to belittle. I don't want to. I don't want to do what John Molinaro does and belittle teams. I. But you know, sometimes the quality of 
the soccer isn't the best. Uh, you're not necessarily getting the best players in the world in some of these games, to put it charitably. There are the critics who will say that Champions League soccer is much better than World Cup soccer until you really get down to the crunch when the world powers play each other. Uh, but the beauty of the World Cup is these matchups and, and points and you know, you got to get these last second result to get that one point. And when you get into the third game, when the both, when all four teams in the group are all playing now at the same time, and anything can happen, it's a free for all. And I guess that's that's the exciting part of the World Cup is that you never know what's going to happen, and and anything can happen. But look at Argentina; they don't know. they're they're pretty well out of it. Right? Well, I'm I'm not so sure. No, the result yesterday, I think, uh, I I I think the uh, if Argentina uh, wins their last game and it's goal differential, and depending on what happens in the Croatia Iceland, this is the whole point. It the, the permutations are complex, so uh, Argentina's not out of it. Uh, they obviously have to beat Morocco. They there's they've got to beat Morocco by a certain amount of goals. And uh, and they need Croatia to beat Iceland, uh, which is what uh, which was the result that uh, John Molinaro is 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 desperately uh, doesn't want to see Iceland go on to the next round. <laughs> Somehow he doesn't he doesn't like the story. I don't get it, but he doesn't like their style of play. But uh, they don't give points for style; they give points for winning. It's it's an athletic an, competition. An impressive team so far is Mexico, and uh, you know what? They might have a shot at this because they're playing as a team, and they're. They're a pretty good squad. They are a very good squad, Naz. They've got some good young players with pace, as they call it in soccer. Uh, they looked very good in their game against Germany. Uh, but I find, uh, in having been through the Italian experience in World Cup soccer, uh, certainly the, in 1982, not so much in 2006, but uh, a lot of times these major powerhouses in the in the first in the group in the group games, they need time to get to get settled. They need time to find the rhythm. Uh, and just because they didn't play good in their first or second game doesn't mean they can't eventually win the World Cup. I've been through this with Italy, 1982, 1994. In 82, they were, I think they had to tie, they tied Cameroon in the third game and they got through on, um, on goal differential, goal if my, if my, if my memory serves me correct. I remember and, the party anyway. In 1994, sure. 1994, they had the same issue. They were in a game against Nigeria, and I think Zola got sent off in the Soviet. Italy had to play with 10 men. They were in the same predicament Germany was in yesterday. And uh, Baggio salvaged them from that nightmare, and they eventually made it to the World Cup final. So the group games mean they mean. Uh, it's just jockeying for position. You want to make sh- obviously the most important objective is you want to make sure you get through to the next round. Yeah. And and I think the the story, the moral of this story, there are not that many weak links in soccer anymore. And the That's world, true. the World That's Cup true. powerhouses, the Brazils, the Germanies, uh, the Argentina. Yeah, Argentinians, uh, you better bring your A game from day one, or you could be you could be sent packing home very quickly. And look at England; they're uh, here. They're, they're on fire this five, morning. Five, nothing yeah. this morning, and the, uh, they've been always a disappointment. And yeah, they didn't expect much from them. That's what probably they're going to. 
do something. Well, that's what happens uh, with a lot of these teams. Uh, you know, if Iceland gets knocked out, which uh, they they probably will from the from the next round. I mean, they're in tough against a good Croatian team uh, uh, in a few days. So, you know, the 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 dream may be coming to an end, and it may have to pack away the shirt for a while. And the uh, next one you'll be wearing is a Team Canada jersey. <laughs> Two thousand and twenty-six. Yeah. yeah, I would absolutely love to wear a Team Canada soccer jersey. I'd look forward to that day, and uh, we will be in the World Cup in 2026, whether we qualify or not. But uh, Canadian soccer, national soccer team has been looking a lot better in the last couple of years, and we've got some incredible young talent coming up through the system. One thing before break, I just want to bring up the Argo lost 41-7 last night. Ricky Ray got hurt. It's time to go to Hamilton and get Johnny Manziel to come to the Argos. He's uh, He's the backup quarterback in Hamilton. Hamilton has their starter, and the Argos are going to look for a starter, and I think it'd be a perfect fit for the CFL and for the Argos. Johnny Manziel to Toronto. I'd love to see that, Naz. You know, the, uh, you know what the CFL uh, sometimes lacks, uh, what used to have more so in the old days, is star power. Uh, Johnny Manziel certainly uh, can move the, uh, the media needle. It would attract a lot of attention in the media center of Canada. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Naz. It would be you heard love it to first see him here. here. You heard it first from Naz Marchese. Anyways, we've got to go to break. We'll be right back after the break with Henry Boucher. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced their loyalty program, but some listeners thought I was saying royalty program. <clears throat> to be clear, Pizzaville cannot get you into the royal family. Stop that. However... After your sixth online order, you'll get a large pizza of your choice free with your seventh order. And that'll make you feel like a king or queen. Oh, boy. Find out more at pizzaville.ca. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character. It reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. 
Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740, also broadcasting in Toronto on 96.7 FM, live video streaming on the internet at www.zoomerradio.ca. We're welcome to, we're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, a member of the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, one of the greatest uh, U.S. hockey players of his generation. Of course, I'm talking about Henry Boucher. Good morning, Henry. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. It's uh, it's a pleasure to have you back, Henry. Just wanted to, um, and when we chat with you, it brings back great memories. Uh, you played in uh, the NHL in the early 1970s. Uh, you were, uh, you are a member of the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. You were one of the greatest American hockey players of your generation. You're a silver medalist at the 1972 Olympics, uh, described as the most electrifying hockey player in Minnesota hockey history, and uh, certainly a pleasure to have you back on. Uh, first question I want to ask you, we hope it just popped in my head right now, Henry, and uh, I want to ask you, uh, second cousin of yours just won the Stanley Cup, uh, Mr. T.J. Oshie. Uh, tell us... Uh, uh, you had an opportunity to uh, have some fun with uh, with TJ about that. Well, I haven't yet. I think he's still out in Washington. He does have a house here in uh, the St. Paul area. And, uh, you know, you couldn't be any more prouder. You know, I uh, uh, believe he's going to bring that up to my our hometown of Warroad, Minnesota. And, of course, we have, we've had several Olympians from there. I think there's eight of us now that that have medals. And, uh, you know, uh, Gigi Marvin is from War. She won the gold medal this year. Uh, to top it off, you know, and then TJ wins the Stanley Cup. So it's, it's great for Hockey Town USA up in Warroad, Minnesota. And uh, we're very proud of them. We're looking forward to having them come home and bring the Stanley Cup there to celebrate with him and the Cavs are winning it all. Henry, what do you think of the uh, play in the NHL these days compared to, say, your time? Uh, has it improved a lot? Uh, what do you think of the game currently today? Well, I think all facets of the game are are great. It's a great spectator sport. They, they, they're bigger, faster, stronger. I like that they take, uh, you know, took out the red line. Uh, I like the way they move the puck. Um, you know, and I think it's it's better. I mean, as you progress, you know, like say from the '60s, '70s, and '80s, I think the games opened up. Uh, it gives uh, the opportunity to to speed the game up without the red line and and uh, great passing, great goaltending. It's really entertaining. It's come a long way, and you know, and I'm I'm on board with liking it a lot. Uh, we're talking to U.S. hockey legend Henry Boucher. Henry, uh, last week we, we chatted with Stephen Greigel, who's the uh, uh, lead attorney for the uh, concussion litigation in the uh, the NHL uh, players against the NHL. And uh, that's going to, um, it's been in court in Minnesota for, the, for uh, uh, trying to get it certified. Uh, do you keep an eye on that litigation at all? Does it mean anything to you? Um, uh, concussions, you know, from your generation. Uh, tell us how you feel about all that. 
Well, I'm in, I'm on board with all the other players. I you know I had that massive eye injury and and uh, blow to the head from Dave Forbes with a stick back in 1975. I've had several concussions um, over the years, but it, you know, and I'm doing okay. But there's some players out there that you know um, didn't handle it or couldn't handle it as well as others, and you know they're having some memory problems. Uh, there are uh, situations out there that are pretty critical at this point, and you know you have uh, situations where players can't work. They, you know, they're uh, just getting by and what have you because we didn't make the money back then. And you know, when during during the seventies, I remember getting practically knocked out of my feet, and uh, once I got up in the old Olympia and started down the ice, I didn't even know what team I was on. I had to look down at my jersey to see what team I was on. I would have went off the ice at that point, but I I couldn't find the bench. And uh, when I did start coming around after they started coming back down in our zone, um, I realized what team I was on and where the bench was and kind of got back with it. But all of they, all they did was, uh, you know, uh, crack one of the smelling salts on the bench and, you know, wave in front of your nose and, and slap you on the back and say, come on, come on, snap out of it. You know, and then you slide down the bench and, and you're out there for the next shift. So, you know, it's uh, come a long way, uh, you know, medically and, and the understanding of of the concussion situation. But, you know, I, I think it needs to be addressed uh, like they're doing. It's unfortunate that we have to enter into a that type of lawsuit. Uh, it'll cover all players, not just the ones that signed up. And, I, I you know, and I think... Uh, you know, we need to do something as a sport to, to stand up and do what's right. Henry, were you ever compensated by the NHL in your injury with uh, Dave Forbes? Yes, but I never, you know, they basically, um, once they found out that I was going to file a suit for negligence through the National Hockey League, the Boston Bruins, and Dave Forbes, um, they immediately kind of shoved me out of the league and uh, paid off my contract in Colorado, and I was I was done at the age of 25. Yeah, I, I, I just want to refresh uh, our listeners' memories in terms of what happened to you. Um, you were you were one of the most exciting players in the NHL in the early 1970s. Um, you were 23 years old, I believe, at the time. You were playing in a game against the Boston Bruins, and you and Dave Forbes were in the penalty box, and you came out, and for whatever reason, uh, Dave Forbes lost it, and he butt-ended you in the eye, uh, just unprovoked, just decided he was going to commit. I, I think he was charged with criminal assault at the time, and... and um, basically destroyed your eye and destroyed your career at the age of 23. And I want our listeners to to remember that because uh, we talk about, and I know you've written a book, Henry, um, a Native American Olympian. You're of Ojibwe heritage. Uh, you're a proud Native American, 
but you had you had dreams and Dave Forbes at that moment in time took away your dream and in the NHL in my estimation abandoned you um, I want just how does it like all these years later um, how do you feel about it and have you forgiven well you can't carry that around the rest of your life at some point in time you have to forgive those that disappointed you, wronged you, or whatever. Otherwise, you're going to be in the same situation as probably they, in the way they feel, you know. So it uh, it took me a while. Yes, the National Hockey League basically abandoned me. Uh, the Players Association would not even answer our calls. Uh, I had absolutely no help from anybody. I had no alternative to um, try to get compensated for, you know, 10 or 15 years of my career. So we ended up uh, having to through the National Hockey League, the Boston Bruins, and Dave Forbes, and we settled out of court in 1980, five years after the incident. And... Um, you know, then you have to, you know, then I went on a kind of a, a self-pity type journey that, uh, you know, that led me to uh, moving back to my hometown, working with Indian education, working in, in rural public schools, uh, coaching, um, you know, raised my family back there. I was involved with the National Hockey League, USA Hockey Diversity Task Force. Did a lot of public speaking. Uh, you know, that type of journey of of, uh, of being down and out and looking up at everything. You, you talk about peaks and valleys. and Man, I was in a canyon, I think, you know. But I survived through self-determination finding my own way out because there was no help for the player. None. Um, you know, the, you, you, you are compensated to play, you do your job, and um, once you're done and used up, you know, you're, you're done. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, the, the players have to play 400 games to, to get a pension these days. I want to play 256, so at 67 years old, I'm still selling real estate here in Minnesota. I do have a film project on Native American Olympians that we're producing. But still, it, um, uh, you know, it was a long journey uh, to come out of that. And, yes, I, I have to forgive, uh, you know, Dave Forbes, the the National Hockey League, and, and uh, you know, for that particular incident. But I do, uh, along with all the other players, demand, you know, something like even the recognition, yes, concussions cause problems. Um, what are we going to do about how are we going to resolve this issue? How many players are actually hurting now? getting medical attention for those types of injuries and let's do something. You know, let's sit down at the table and, and get this hacked out. 
Henry, there's uh, quite a few players in the NHL that have gone through some real problems, and few have committed suicide. And Nick Boynton has re- uh, written an article, as Dan Carcillo also, about uh, their uh, um, being being enforcers in the league. How were the enforcers back when you played? Were there a lot of them? I know I remember the tough hockey, but I don't, how many enforcers specifically were there to fight? Well, there, you know, every team at least had one, you know, one or two that would, you know, wouldn't back down. Um, you know, you had teams like Philly, you know, with Schultz and, and uh, you know, a few of the other players that would actually uh, go after. Then you had teams like Montreal uh, and uh, New York New York Islanders that, you know, had big players. And, and uh, so you wouldn't scrap with them much. Uh, you know, Boston was the same way. Uh, you know, those teams were were great teams. You know, they uh, they won the majority of the games, and and uh, but you know, I think every team had players that would you know would brawl, you know, at the drop of the hat, and and uh, protect their players or their goal scorers and and what have you. So, you know, we came through that that phase and. Uh, you know, I played international hockey. I was I was able to play against the Russians nine times as a 18, 19-year-old. And uh, I really have a lot of respect for the bigger rinks. I have a lot of respect for the way they move the puck and the, and the speed at which they played. Uh, so I like the, the game the way it's played like that, and it continues on now with all the European players and the Far Eastern players that are that are playing the National Hockey League. It's uh, it's exciting. We're talking. To... Um, I think the I think the league has come around on on incidents. You know, they would uh, deny, 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 and uh, you know, and it takes a fortune to to you know bring them to court, and it's. Uh, it's good to see that we've made some progress in the, on those areas, but they still have a long way to go as far as uh, penalizing players and suspensions and fines and and sitting down at the table with uh, you know with the other players that uh, are retired now that that have difficulties and in uh, with concussions and with other other probable injuries, you know, back, uh, knee problems, shoulder, uh, you know, just their mental state. And, you know, there was never any of that type of help in the 70s when I I was injured. And I'd like to see, you know, the, uh, you know, the retirement uh, uh, goals, uh, do something about that, not 400 games, make it less. Uh, uh, so everybody's covered uh, with insurance, with uh, you know some kind of pension, some kind of dividends uh, that they they uh, you know paid the price for uh, of getting banged up each and every night uh, for for years. And uh, you know you get to you get to be my age, and and it's tough, but, you know, because of the sore back, the, you know, the hips. Uh, um, you know, being bounced around and banged around, you know, for six, seven years, uh, 
you know, it's taking its toll as you get older. Henry Boucher, um, we're going to have to let you go fairly soon, but I do want to, I just want to ask one other question in an area because you right now you d- you devote quite a bit of your life you're a filmmaker you create documentaries and you're proud of your native american heritage and you uh you've written a book about it um you're one of one of the u.s's greatest hockey players in history interestingly enough you're also a canadian citizen um uh, but tell me how you feel about one of the big sports issues of the day, and I have, we have to ask you because you're you're so involved and so proud of your Native American heritage. Um, you know, it's it's like one of those relics from the past. That there's still professional sports franchises that carry uh, Native American names, if that's what you want to call them. Uh, although there's very many people who find the names offensive. And, of course, I'm referring to the Washington Redskins, the Cleveland Indians, the Atlanta Braves, perhaps the Chicago Blackhawks, but that's a, that's a different issue in some ways. Uh, as a Native American, Henry, uh, as the day gone by where sports franchises should be named in that way? Well, let me tell you something. I am the vice president and sit on the board of the National Coalition Against Racism in Sports and Media. And that board basically is um, worldwide, and we address those types of issues. When it's blatantly uh, out there, like the Washington Redskins, they have nothing to tie that to. During the colonial days, when the Indians, both in Canada and the United States, had bounties on their heads, uh, you know, they brought them in an ox cart because they could get $5 a body. That was too cumbersome. So then they just cut the heads off of the Indians they killed. And that was too gruesome and cumbersome. So then they went to scalp, and they would scalp Indian women, children, and men and bring the scalps and collect their bounty, but during that scalping, the faces of the kids, the women and the the men uh, ran red with blood, so they started calling them redskins. I've got my redskin scalp. You know, I I want my $5. And there was a lot of money in those days. And there were barnies across the United States and Canada, and we were discriminated against so badly at that time because they didn't think we were humans. So anyway, those are the unjust type of situations that we need to educate, first of all and foremost, as to why we are against some of these names. Not all of them. We have uh, recommended some schools keep their names because they can back it up with the historical data, they're proud of it. Uh, you know, they wear the, the, the emblem on their jerseys. They, they're educating their students as to the history of the, of the, uh, of the, uh, the name and logo. And that's great. But there are others that are out there are, are just blatantly uh, misunderstood. You know, and, and we need to try to reach out 
and help those that are embarrassed. Uh, you know, you have a, a, a white guy in the stands of a, at a Redskin game have his, wearing turkey feather headdresses and, and face painted and he's yelling and doing the tomahawk chop and this and that. And I've got my grandson and granddaughter with me and they're watching this. You know, it's derogatory. It's denigrating. It is embarrassing. The kids get scared. Uh, we've been talking to Henry Boucher. Henry, uh, I just want to thank you so much for educating us this morning about uh, an important issue, talking about uh, your times in the in the NHL and your injuries and uh, your experiences and, uh, and once again uh, sensitizing us to... Uh, to issues that we should all be sensitive to. Henry, uh, I'm going to give Naz an opportunity to give give his regards. Yeah, thanks, Henry, uh, for answering some difficult questions. I don't know if I could have answered them as well as you did. Thanks very much for coming on. Well, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, have a great uh, rest of your day. Uh, we will. Thanks so much, Henry Boucher. Well, I've never, Naz, I've never really heard it put in that way. But when you talk about, you know, when Henry says... Uh, I bring my grandson to uh, to a Redskins game, and I feel denigrated. Then you know that uh, that's. Sort I of, think it's time to change it, the name. Yeah, certainly the Redskins. I found that name offensive for the longest time. Um, don't know why they're so insistent. Um, Indians, Braves. You know, um, you know. Obviously, Henry's working in an organization that that deals with these on a case by case basis because. You know, uh, for for some they they are offensive, and for others less so. Uh, so uh, it's time. You know, society moves on. These things don't belong uh, at this moment in time in our history. Anyways, we've got to go to break, and we'll be right back after the break with one of the world's great golf teachers, Sean Clement. Look forward to it. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced their loyalty program, but some listeners thought I was saying royalty program. <coughs> to be clear, Pizzaville cannot get you into the royal family. Stop that. However, after your sixth online order, you'll get a large pizza of your choice free with your seventh order, and that'll make you feel like a king or queen. Oh, boy. Find out more at pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. 
This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome back to the show Mr. Wisdom in Golf, uh, Sean Clement. How are you doing, Sean? Good morning, boys. We're doing. How are you doing today, Sean? Uh, very, very good. Thank you very much. How about you? Hopefully, the weather's a little bit, uh, a little bit brighter than it is in Toronto this morning. It's pretty gloomy here this morning. Sean, we see a lot of umbrellas out here. <laughs> oh good. man, I'm sorry to hear that. No, it's uh, it's nice and sunny here. It's uh, 20 degrees. The sun's shining, and it's, uh, it's a beautiful day. Uh, I'm going to hop on a plane and head to Quebec City. Maybe I'll get there for an afternoon tea time. Anyway, Sean, uh, just a, a reminder to all our listeners, Sean Clement, of course, is uh, when I, I affectionately call him Mr. MrWisdomInGolf.com. He's one of the world's great golf teachers, uh, fantastic, fantastic material on the Internet at wisdomandgolf.com on YouTube, some of the greatest material you'll find in terms of golf instruction. Uh, YouTube, Sean Clemshaw on uh, on YouTube, yeah. and uh, now hanging your shingle in a couple of places, Sean. So uh, let uh, and and I have to I have to tell our listeners. I think you're you're like McDonald's. You're not up to a billion people yet, but you're in the multi millions of. Uh, uh, viewers on your website and on your YouTube site, and well, uh, and uh, this week, uh, tell us all about the Golf Channel and your new venture. So bring uh, bring us uh, yeah. bring us and our listeners up to date on your uh, what you're up to. Yeah, well, another step in the right direction. We still have a lot of work to do uh, to, to spread the wisdom, uh, but uh, uh, Golfing World, who's uh, they're out of the UK and they have a, a, a program every Wednesday at 5 p.m. on the Golf Channel. And within that program, uh, the next 17 weeks, you're going to see some, uh, some tips of mine, uh, you know, about some 10-minute um, clips on, uh, on that channel. And, uh, and they're all also propagating it. Uh, like I had a student of mine, um, an online student of mine, that called me from Scandinavia. He says, hey, I just saw you on the Scandinavian Golf Channel, <laughs> which is... Man, the planet's really getting small. So, uh, so that's what's going on as far as uh, that's concerned. I've, um, um, obviously, with uh, the Royal Quebec Golf Club, uh, the word's getting around uh, quickly around town here. Uh, we've got some fabulous members. The, the facility is unbelievable, Walter. Uh, you know, I, I, I open the garage door in our building opens up on one of the top five practice facilities in the country you know it's like when when my garage door opens up you hear the choir sing and uh and it opens up onto this these beautiful practice greens with you know surrounded by nicely contoured bunkers and all that stuff and the, the range is 350 yards deep with the mountains in the background and uh just uh, just a spectacular sight 
And uh, once a week, we'll go out uh, to Quebec City and enjoy uh, the the fair, uh, uh, the fairs of the city. We went to a place last night called La Bouche, and I had one of these King Henry VIII's uh, drumsticks, turkey drumsticks with uh, the cranberry sauce and everything else, and uh, it was just spectacular. Sean, last week's U.S. Open, what did you think of it? Um, it was it was really interesting. Um, you know, the the you look at Dustin Johnson and the Brooks Kepka, very similar games. Both power faders, uh, both power players uh, coming down the line. And I thought, uh, you know, Brooks pulled it out of a hat. And and it, it it brings me back to you know he just came off an injury, and. He came off with an injury at the right time where there were no expectations. And when you don't have any expectations and you're actually playing quite well, good things happen. It reminded me of uh, when um, uh, one of the LPGA players, uh, the Pink Panther, um, she, uh, she had all this pressure on her week in and week out, the best player to never win a major. And then she had a wrist injury. She had wrist surgery. She had her wrist in a bandage. And on that week of the U.S. Open, you know, she was asked, you know, okay, how's the wrist doing? It was all the pressure was off of her as far as the performance of the major. And it was all placed on, oh, how's your wrist feeling? Oh, we hope it's okay for you. And then she goes out and wins it. That's so Paul, I love, Paul, I love the mindset. Pardon? That was Paul, Paul Kramer, Kramer, yeah. 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 Um, Sean, I want to ask you, you know, you, you, you're watching um, watching the tour players these days, and you talked about Dustin Johnson, you talked about Brooks Kepka, and, uh, and there's Jordan Spieth that, you know, we're big fans of, and uh, maybe Rory and and uh, the kid Fowler. And um, do you, and some of the, and this kid on, came on like gangbusters on Sunday, Fleetwood. Um, do you see a change in the swing of golfers today as opposed to, let's say, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago? Where is, go- where is golf evolving in this generation in terms of the swing? And how much of what you teach, because I know you teach the golf swing in a different way than a lot of people out there. How much yeah, of what yeah. you teach do you see in this generation of golfers? Uh, the pendulum's starting to swing the other way, uh, Walter. You know, um, the days of uh, of methods are are quickly moving out. Uh, Lydia Cole, you know, who had gone to see Ledbetter, and he tried to change her swing and. You know, and she was stuck in these all these positionals, and then she left, and and now she's won again. Um, you know, we're we're starting to finally get the word out that you know body positions don't work. We we really stink at that as human beings on this planet. And when you put it, when you put us to a nice task, and you let us be, and 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 and, uh, and you allow us to perform, you know, good things happen. And um, it's, it's more like, you know, the teachers are learning more from their high-performing students. You know, like Tiger, who wins with five different coaches, and now he's on his own. And, and I think he's on the verge, personally. Uh, if, if he stays healthy, he'll be fine. And then, then it's going to be more like, okay, the more I stay healthy, the more I can practice, the more I can perform and, and practice my performing. 
and then it's going to start moving away from from this uh, this positional geometry that's that's really damaging their bodies, and so it's it's slowly coming back our way, you know. And it's 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 peaks and valleys, of course, and we were in a valley for a while there, and uh, now I think uh, we're on our way out. Anyway, Sean, uh, we'll keep an eye on your golf uh, golf uh, channel segments. Uh, it's Wednesdays at five, if I'm not mistaken. Golfing World on the Golf Channel. Yes, Wednesdays at five p.m. And uh, you're still uh, you're still uh, hanging your shingle up at the Richmond Hill Golf and Country Club. Absolutely, go see Paul Davies. He was my right hand man for the last thirteen years. He's now director of the uh, the academy there. Go see Donna Norman. She does phenomenal work with women and women's programs and, and junior girls programs. Uh, we got four fine teachers right there, and, and they're ready to help you out. Anyways, uh, next time you're in town, Sean, uh, give me a buzz. I think my game might need a little bit of a tune-up, so it's uh, All right. it, it's time. Well, Listen, Sean... We're, Sha- looking, we're looking at end of end of July, beginning August. Okay, I'll, I'll mark that on my calendar. Um uh, Sean, uh, you know how much uh, we appreciate all the great work you're doing in golf, uh, and I usually finish off my interviews with you. If you're passionate about golf, you want to improve your game, uh, check out Sean Clement. It's wisdomingolf.com. There's some fantastic instructional material there. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great way to teach the game of golf. Uh, on YouTube, some high-definition, quality, well-produced material. Uh, I think your moniker on uh, YouTube, again, is Clemshaw, if I'm not mistaken, but Sean Clement. Uh, just, dial, just dial in Wisdom in Golf or Sean Clement, S-H-A-W-N, and uh, you'll find me, no problem. And uh, and uh, I always go there and check every couple of days, see if there's any new material. Keep up the good work, Sean. All right, Walter. Have a have a great day, you guys. We Thanks, will. Sean. Thanks so much, Sean Clement. And uh, you know, I toot his horn, uh, Naz, but um, he's 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 a pretty pretty bright man. Uh, understands the human anatomy. Understands uh, what you can and cannot do in a golf swing. And uh, you know, golf's a tough game. It's a tough game to learn. It's a tough game to be good at. Uh, you know, he's not going to make you, you know, if you're 20 handicapper, he's not going to make you into a PGA Tour player overnight. Uh, but he can do some good things with your game. Yeah, he's very, uh, very popular. And and he's uh, and he's got a great teaching personality. He's passionate about it. And uh, his passion definitely comes through in his videos on the Internet and uh, live with his students. Uh, Naz, we've got a few minutes left. John Tavares. Apparently, uh, has narrowed it down to twenty percent chance to sign. <laughs> uh, we still have a chance. I, I don't know about that, Nez, but uh, he's going to be talking with the, the the Toronto Maple Leafs this week. He's a unrestricted free agent on July the first, and apparently, under the rules, he's allowed to interview with teams uh, in the week prior to uh, him becoming a UF. So this week he will be talking to some NHL teams, one of which is the Toronto Maple Leafs, from what I understand. Uh, apparently he's talking with the Tampa Bay uh, Lightning, perhaps the Vegas Knights. and San Jose. San Jose. And uh, Naz, you are always on, always on the Dallas. leading edge of these stories. You put it out there. Uh, Give me your uh, analysis of this 20% chance of the Leafs landing John Tavares. The Islanders have offered him 
88 million, sorry, 88 million over 11 years, eight years. Eight years is the max. So they've offered them 11 million. And you think the Leafskin matched that offer? Well, I, I think they, they can, can. They can squeeze they that can eleven squeeze million dollars into they their. Lose, they lose Van Riemsdyk, Komarov, Bozak. That amounts to almost that kind of money, if not more. So you're, you're there, right? You're not going to have. Those it's not so much this year, but you sort of got to line up the ducks. Yeah. For uh, for Matthews, Marner, Here's and Nylander. I, I, I that's that's you, where that thirty million dollars is going to go. If Tavares comes aboard. It'll take a lot of the pressure off Austin Matthews because right now it's Austin Matthews' team. He's 20 years old, okay? Tavares coming in will help Austin Matthews. What a deadly duo that would be, Matthews and Tavares. And on the power play, oh, my God, what a power play unit. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with it's you. It's like Malkin uh, and Crosby. I'd, it's the same uh, thing. I'd, uh, uh, how old's Tavares? Was 27. 27. So he's, he's, this is the prime of his career. Right. Uh, the Leafs, the max term that they can give Tavares is seven years. So you're talking about a contract from the age of 27 to the age of 34. Um, you would think, barring major injury complications, that Tavares will be productive during the most of those seven years. There, You might start seeing a decline Maybe around what at the age of thirty-one, maybe thirty-two. He, you know, it's not like he's got a lot of miles. I mean, the, the Islanders have never really gone deep That's into true. the playoffs. Um, uh, I don't know how many times he's played for a team. I mean, so what? You played. You got injured at the Olympics, so uh, it's not like he's had a lot of international play. Uh, you know, the Olympics are every four years. The World Cup. Uh, you know, whenever it's not the end of the world, but uh, you know, a lot of these players, if they go four rounds and go seven games, like the Drew Doughtys and some of these guys, uh, I don't think Tavares's legs have—he's uh, necessarily no. And his skating been, has really improved since he was a junior. Let me tell you, yeah, big time. He's a big time player, and it, it, it'd be perfect fifth at least. Not to say that they'll get him because. You know, like I said, there's a 20% chance, but they, they have a shot. Well, uh, you got to think that uh, Lamorello is going to do everything he possibly can to keep Tavares. And it's not, um, there's, there aren't that many examples. Um, none that pop off the top of my head right now. Naz, please help me out. Of an NHL player in the prime of his career uh, becoming a UFA, jumping to, letting his his team uh, that he got drafted with and he developed into a star letting their franchise player go to another team uh, cite me cite me the uh, cite me the example of how often that's happened it doesn't happen very often because they lock him up early right but they yeah. didn't lock Tavares up early that's, that's interesting you know what that's an interesting point Naz. why uh, this is this is this isn't this the Stamkos uh, negotiation all over again this is, you know, you make a really good point. Is normally you don't you don't allow your franchise player exactly. to hit July first without signing him. Um, so this is so there's there's reasons there, but Lou Lamorello has just showed up on the scene. Um, who who's the guy that was there before? Garth, Garth Snow. Snow. Garth yeah. Snow. Uh, obviously, he wasn't able to make it happen. Lamorello's no dummy. Uh, he, he understands uh, he's got to get Tavares on a contract. So this is going to be a very, very, very interesting week from that point of view. I, I personally think he goes, but it won't be uh, probably not the least. I don't, I don't think he's going back to the island. I really don't. Uh, 30 seconds left, Naz. Uh, any comments on the Leaf draft? 
Well, what can I say? They're drafting. They drafted their first round pick out of the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Surprise, surprise. A defenseman, <laughs> right uh, from their, uh, right from uh, Dubis's hometown, right. Yeah, so certainly there maybe hopefully there's some inside knowledge there. Uh, obviously, somebody that Kyle Dubas knows quite a bit about. Uh, so we'll see how that pans out. We've got some good talent down on the Marlies. Uh, so hope springs eternal. We'll certainly get into that discussion as we get closer to the NHL let, season. Let's see Johnny Menzel as an Argonaut. Wouldn't that be nice? It'd be interesting. Let's put it that way. Anyways, uh, it's been another great week on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. To all our loyal listeners, have a fantastic and safe week. All the best. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.